You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Life is never smooth sailing. Before children, navigating the choppy waters was all about how you got through. Once you have kids, it's more about how to help them through to calmer seas. Hannah Davidson is a co-author of My Big Moments books, a series designed to help small children deal with big changes in their lives. The books came about from Hannah's own experiences. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Can you tell us about the first big moment you found yourself trying to manage with your kids? Well, I think uh, for us, funnily enough, my um, the co-founder, uh, Flicker Williams, and I, we had come up with the idea uh, when I was over in Sydney for a, a writing course. And um, we had this idea about about books that help kids through kids through milestones and help parents just manage that tricky parenting job a little bit easier. And we thought this is great. But then about five or six weeks after that, uh, we were struck by the Kaikoura earthquake in New Zealand, which was a seven point eight magnitude earthquake. We were ten kilometres from the epicentre of that, and oh, wow. on the second story of an old wooden farmhouse. And so we were out that night with the kids over our shoulders, everyone in their pajamas, going out into a brave new world with no knickers on. <laughs> you know, so and then suddenly, you know, we were out of our house. We had um, a whole lot of damage to deal with. We had everything changing at once. We had traumatized children, traumatized parents, and it was all going on. Uh, so this was the time when I thought about that idea and I thought, actually, this is not just about milestones. This is about those really big challenges in a person's life when they're not equipped to guide a child through this thing. They might not even be equipped to guide themselves through this thing. They might not have vocabulary that helps them explain a difficult situation or for a child to be able to explain what's actually feeling, you know, what they're feeling inside of themselves, what their internal experience is. They won't have those words to put around those things. So that was a time when I thought this was actually a really important resource and it's not just milestones. It's some of the big things that can happen in our kids' lives that we're not prepared for, they're not prepared for, but they happen to us anyway. This idea was sort of in your mind, you were going to do it. Um, Did you end up using that experience of the earthquake in any of your books? Not that specific experience, but we did talk about... um, It's about guiding kids through the trauma of that. And I think it made me really aware of what uh, our dialogue and vocabulary is around emotions and feelings and how you process those in a healthy way and also it made me really aware of what kids dialogue is when they're trying to explain what's happening for them and I remember one particular experience I was driving my son to preschool and this was months after the earthquake and you just don't realize they're still reconciling themselves with the experience that they had so when we were bundling him into the car outside of the house he his teeth were chattering he was completely white he vomited on himself he was going into shock so months later we were driving along and he said mum when I'm scared my teeth go up and down really really fast wow and so you know he he had this physical experience this emotional experience he didn't understand what the context was he didn't understand why it was happening to him and what it meant and so it was those times that I thought okay now you actually need to make that time to sit down one-on-one with that child and and give him some context around that yeah and so it was about and how old was he at that point he was three 
yeah. at that time. Oh, he just about four, just about to turn four. Mm-hmm. So he was still quite little, but he was very, very aware of what had happened to him. Because as we were sort of trying to get out of the house, trying to think about what we needed to grab to take with us, the kids were over our shoulders. He was taking in absolutely everything. And he remembered details of that night and trying to get out that we couldn't remember because we were just so focused on getting out and getting safe. Mm. But he had all the details, just soaking it all up. And so you found from that exchange with him that the idea if your child's going through something is essentially to listen and to hear what it is. So we might be thinking we've got to say to them, now you might be feeling yucky or when you're afraid, this is how you might feel. Mm. And if you listen to him, his version of scared was my teeth were going up and down. Yeah, because the thing that we disconnect with as grown-ups, is that our emotions don't start as a feeling that we can name. They start as a physical sensation in our body. So a lot of the time to actually really understand what's happening with our kids, you know, trying to understand what the physical sensation in their body is, we learn to wrap a story around those physical sensations and we choose a story, our brain will choose a story that seems familiar and then we go, that's why I'm feeling like this, I can put it in this box, now I can name it, I feel safe. My my brain knows how to protect me from whatever's going to jump out at me in the future, but kids don't have that. So a lot of the time, you know, this is where we think books is a great um, platform to sit down and talk with your kids because it's sometimes the only time in the day where you actually get that one-on-one time with them, where it's quiet, they have your full attention, you're making lunch boxes and you're not folding laundry and trying to get here and there. They've got you and it's a very safe, secure space for them to talk to you in. And so protecting that you know, it might only be 10, 15 minutes at the end of the day, but protecting that space so that they can express themselves is really, really valuable. Um, so they, it's about allowing them to process emotions in a really healthy way. And sometimes you just need to remind them or teach them, actually, it's about getting back into your body. So where are you feeling that? Point to in your body where you're feeling that. What does that feel like for you? You know, they might have some words to put around that. And you can say, you know, maybe they're feeling nervous about starting school or something like that. Oh, my tummy feels a bit wobbly. My tummy feels tickly. Oh, well, sometimes we call that feeling, like, give them some words. We Mm. call that feeling nervous. It's really normal to feel nervous about a new experience. I feel nervous about a new experience. And when they've got words and context to put around something, it actually calms the brainstem down. Mm. And then they feel more in control of their environment. Because kids live in a world where they're not in control of their environment. We are. We know what's going to happen. We know what's coming up. We know what we need to prepare for. But kids are sort of landed in an environment with things coming up that they often have no idea what's happening to them. So the more predictability that you can give them, the more vocabulary that you can give them, the more secure they're going to feel, the more confident they're going to feel, the less they're going to end up in fight or flight. And, the, you know, and when they're in fight or flight, their brains can't work. They can't process. But if they can feel secure, if they have an environment that is predictable for them, then their brains are actually going to work and they're going to be more adaptable to whatever that environment is and whatever is happening for them. So it sounds like you were very switched on. I mean, maybe this is in hindsight. I don't know. Um, did that earthquake have an impact on your family long term? Yeah, it it did have an impact on our family long term because I think, you know, you're always thinking about we'll do this one day and we'll do that one day and you imagine a picture of what things look like. But in fact, you actually don't know. Things 
when you think now two years ago and you think two years ago about what you thought now would look like, it's completely different. And I think um, that taught me to find ways to become more adaptable to the changes that are happening and to embrace change into your life. Because if you can't embrace change, you're concerned about feeling in control all the time. And you're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's an illusion. It's a, Control is a complete fallacy. Are you telling me my Excel spreadsheets have no impact at well, all? Well, if it makes you feel better <laughs> and it gives you some peace, I'm not going to lie. I do the same thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it, that, that changed me long term. I think it. I was forced to let go in a lot of ways. I, I think I spent a lot of my life trying to control my environment, trying to control my circumstances to my detriment. You know, um, we had it like we were running a farm. We had young kids. Things were very stressful. Like after the earthquake and I was trying to keep things normal, trying to move forward with the insurance claims, trying to get things repaired, trying to, you know, work on a business contract. I burnt out. I just got adrenal fatigue. And eventually your body, if you don't listen to the signals that you're getting, your body will just say no. And Mm. in that situation, my body said no. And there was nothing I could do to change it. That was taken, that control was taken away from me too. Mm. And so then you're like, okay, well scrap everything that I thought before because I'm going to have to think about doing things differently. And your kids at that time, your youngest, your son was, oh no. He was nearly four and my daughter was nearly two. Right. So he's the other, so beg your pardon. So they're very young. Um, Here in Australia, we've heard of the earthquake, obviously we saw it in the news, but probably don't have a real sense of how it impacted people's daily lives. What kind of damage was there to your property and your home? So um, our home was uninhabitable, um, completely uninhabitable. Um, We were able to take our belongings out of it and we just moved everything into shipping containers. Um, We moved into a different cottage on our farm. We had a number of houses on the farm, but that house also... Um, had to be demolished and replaced at some point. It was safe to live in, but it had to be demolished and replaced. So then we had to move into an, another cottage. I think I've moved like five times in four years. Wow. We had staff that had to be displaced from their cottages. We were fixing that. And then, you know, the whole dealing with the insurance companies who were like, it's cool if you have a small amount of damage and we can pay you out pretty quickly and you can sort that out. But as when it gets to the bigger numbers, they are less forthcoming with wanting to settle the claims when they're like, well, that was... That was a sizable and old house, wasn't it? It's going to be hard to make it better. And so, you know, this was a whole other, like, that. I was spending, you know, one to two full work days on insurance claims. Wow. Plus fixing, what you know, managing projects of, of other things, plus family life, plus work, you know. It was it was a whole other job. Like, and And that was... That was a lot to take on because you have to keep moving forward and you you have to do things. You have to, you know, carry on with the other responsibilities that you've got. Especially when you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. They're not going to give you a choice. They're not going to stop. No. <laughs> and the kids now, do they remember? You, you say your son because he saw so much. He has that um, recall of the night and or, or when it happened. Um, do they ever talk about it now? They talk more about the places than they do about the event. And I think um, because we've moved around so much, they can actually kind of roadmap their journey by their changing environments. And I was really worried about how all of that change would impact them. 
But what was quite reassuring that they taught me was that so long as, as we were there and, and the things that gave them comfort were there, they were fine. Like mm-hmm. home isn't about a, a where or a what. Home is about a who, as it turns out. And so they, you know, they've taught me so much. They are so much more adaptable than we are because they haven't got to this point where they're trying to control their entire <laughs> environment that we're all now trying to undo because it doesn't work. Yeah. And um, so I think that's what they remember more. They remember about where they were rather than what happened. And so every time we moved, I would make sure that the first thing I did was I'd get their room set up. So they had their beds and they had their bed linen and they had their toys and I'd get them to come and like move some stuff in so they were physically involved in that change. So they had some element of agency over what was happening and, you know, they felt that they had contributed to it. So they weren't, it wasn't just happening to them. They were also involved and important in that process as well. Mm. You recently went through a divorce was that challenging with the children as well? Of course, it yeah. Was. Of course, it was. Of course, it was. Yeah, but again, you know, they've been they've been really incredible through that. And what was interesting about that, I can say interesting now, looking back on this objectively, is that um, we made the decision to separate, and then we were locked down. Yeah. In COVID, oh, so God. we were locked down all together. You were one of the one of the few couples who decided this pre lockdown. Yeah, I know. We really bucked the trend. We're just slightly <laughs> ahead. Very so fashionable. Um slightly ahead of the trend on that one. And so Oh my goodness. You know, but that, then you're together anyway. You're together. You're all together. And so that actually like while when I say that to people they're like, no <laughs> but actually it was the best thing. Because mm. we couldn't run away from it we couldn't escape we couldn't avoid we had the conversations that had to be had we were talking to a a therapist over zoom we you know we had to find ways to actually pull together and keep the whole show on the road and kids they learn not from what you tell them they learn from what you show them yeah so we were really aware you know we it's easy I'd say it's easy and it won't be for all for all parents but you can generally agree that a shared goal is to do what is best for the kids and that gives you some objective perspective and takes you away from your emotional experience which is incredibly turbulent yeah but if you can step away and go okay well what is best for the kids they need to see that they're still safe and secure because that's a question they're always trying to answer am I safe Mm. and they're looking at you am I safe do you look safe and so you know we were really aware about how we treated one another and how we treated ourselves. We we're aware of the conversations that we had in front of the kids and the conversations that were best to have away from the kids. And when we talked to the kids about, um, you know, we're going to have two homes, we had a really interesting experience there because I'd done my research, you know, being in the business that I am in, and I'd done my research, thought, okay, we need, we've got to keep this practical. We've got to focus on the practicalities. They're not interested in the why. They're interested in the, you know, well, what's happening to me? How are these changes going to affect me? And, you know, who's going to be there? Where are we going to be? And what's happening? And what's changing? And what's remaining the same? All of that stuff. So I'd really thought about that and I'd introduced the idea of the two homes and um, you know, so so we're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have two houses and you're gonna have a bedroom there and a bedroom here and suddenly my daughter just burst into hysterical tears, which is incredibly out of character and I thought, Oh my god, I've got this so wrong. How did I what did I what have I done? How did I get this so wrong? 
later, when we had moved into our new place, I was sitting down with the kids at dinner and I said, you know, we've been through a lot of changes, haven't we? You know, we've been through the earthquake and we moved then so many times and now we've moved again into this house and it's a pretty cool house, but you know, how are you feeling about it all? And uh, my son was like, pretty good actually. And I thought, nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) High five to me. High five to me. But then my daughter said, mum, you know when you told us that we were getting two homes and I cried? Um, she was five, by the way, so I was just wow. loving loving what she was coming out with. And I said, yeah, and she goes, the thing is, I thought what you meant was that you and Dad were going to live in one house. Oh, my Lord. And me and Alex were going to live in the <laughs> other house. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, and this is this is the chasm that lies between adult logic and child logic. Yeah. You know, we get the context of what it means to separate as a family. They, she thought her brother was going to have to look after her. I completely understand why that was so upsetting. No wonder. And I said, that must have been really scary for you. You that What a confusion. I'm so sorry that you were confused. It must have been really scary. Oh. But it's, it's, it's so amazing. We just don't realize sometimes. Because it's like um, what the Buddhists talk about, beginner's mind. Children have beginner's mind all all the time, obviously, because they haven't had these experiences. Mm. Where even if we haven't had parents who've separated, we know plenty of people who have. So we don't have beginner's mind anymore. That's right. And and trying to remember that, you're, it, it's on every level with children. Like, yeah. I'm just thinking of my own kids and when they come up with stuff that you go, why did you think that? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then you think, oh, well, I suppose it does. Yeah. Because I didn't explain it properly. Yeah, sure. You didn't even think that what, you know, you didn't think about what needed to be explained. Mm. Like, I remember I was having a conversation with um, someone and she said, you know, I've been really upset about what I'd seen in the news recently. And um, my son noticed that I was upset and he thought that he had done something to upset me. And uh, so we, we talked about how she handled that situation, explaining, like, it's not your fault. I've seen something in the news that's upset me. I'm having a tough day. And um, and then we talked about, well, this can, can be something that you think, oh, that, you know, that kind of wrecked the day. But actually it can also be an opportunity for you to give them um, some resilient traits. You can say, yeah, I'm actually feeling really rough now, right now, but later I think I'm going to have a bath and I'm going to call mum and those are the things that I can do to make me feel better about this. Mm. And I'll be fine. Tomorrow's another day. Yeah. You know? And so actually sometimes when you have those little ruptures in your relationship or, you know, ruptures in the day, you can teach them how to repair it. But I think we forget that we need to verbalize those thoughts much more, mm. you know, and show them, yeah, I'm having a tough time. That's not the end of the story because here's how I can make it better for myself. Mm. Here's how I can improve my situation. And then I'm going to get back on track. Because resilience is just all about seeing a way to keep looking forward and then taking little steps to get there. I could talk to you all day, but I quite like ending <laughs> on that little saying there. I think that could be a meme. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for coming It's a today. real pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Hannah Davidson. She's a co-founder and author of the My Big Moments book series. You'll find links to the books in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.